When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Not Chris Schmidt, it's Elijah Herbler here on a warmer than expected, at least for me personally, I'm not a big forecast guy, but warmer than expected Tuesday, especially with a uh, cold front moving through here in a couple days. I'm going to try to enjoy this warm weather while it lasts. Schmitty coming back from the warm weather right now. He was down in Arizona. Excited to hear all about that trip, and he gets back for Hale Varsity on a Wednesday. That is tomorrow, uh, but today I'm sitting in alongside Will Wilson. You can find him on Twitter at Willie on the Radio. Uh, that's Will Wilson. For me, it's at Herbal Essences. Elijah Herbal is where you find me on Twitter. As uh, Will, back to back days, and you don't feel like turning any lights on in there? Oh no, there's lights on. There's a light on. It's, There's it, lights on. There's like mood lighting going on though, where you, especially with, like, uh, with, with your hat going on. I can I can barely even see your face. Really? <laughs> yeah. You can't really see me? That's kind of cool, actually. Uh, no, there's there is lights on. Sometimes it's a little just too bright, mm-hmm. and you know, a little too bright of lights will give me a headache sometimes. So this is a nice uh, vibe. Yeah, that's that's me here. when I come in on the uh, the Saturday morning show after a late Friday night where the the lights are just too much. Yeah. Oh, they're bright. They are bright. But sometimes it's cold in here, and it kind of warms up the place. Uh, it's not that bad today. Not that bad. Not that, well, it's pretty warm in here. Feels good. Pretty warm in here. It's 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 got to be at least 80. 80 in the studio over 80. here. 80, nice. I'm also wearing my, my thickest hoodie because, again, I was expecting a colder day today. So I hope everyone's out enjoying the warm weather while it lasts. Um, I know I'm, I for one, like my feet have been cold, like for the past two weeks, just straight. I haven't been able to warm them up and I know it's just gonna be another two months of that. So, uh, you should try and get like different socks. I, I have a cold house. Yeah. You got a cold house, but you know, socks help. Socks help. Uh, blankets help. Blankets help. I got space heaters rocking at home right now. That's, that's, yeah. that's the winter key. Just some space heaters while I sit in front of the TV and watch. That's what I did all last week. This you, space heater on high pointed directly in my face as I watch college football. You must have uh, big feet. You must have big feet, Elijah. <laughs> They're cold up. My feet, yeah, I get cold feet. Some, not like that. My feet are cold sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know who else got cold feet? Um, Baker Mayfield? Close. I was going to go for Dylan Gabriel. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't know. We don't know if he got cold feet or not. Well, let's get into that. Dylan Gabriel, until last night, was going to be going to UCLA. I know we've been hitting a lot of quarterback transfer news, but this is what what the the winter news cycle is going to turn into for college football now. That's it's, right. It's portal season. Mm-hmm. And the portal season it just got crazier yesterday. It started out, we talked about it a little bit yesterday on the show, Caleb Williams entering his name into the transfer portal. Yes. About an hour after the show finished up last night, it was on Monday, we, we got news that Dylan Gabriel actually wasn't going to UCLA after all. 
That's what the, the whole plan was for him. He was actually on campus. He was set to begin his, his classes yesterday. The semester was supposed to begin at UCLA. Wow. Instead, he's not with his teammates. He's not in class. He is taking his talents to Norman, Oklahoma to be the new quarterback at Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, shocking move. Shocking move. The, the rare double jump, Elijah. The double jump to UCLA to Oklahoma without even decommitting from UCLA. That's that's like the weirdness of the transfer portal is there's no commitment necessary. It's just like whoever gets them, you just got to show up on campus and roll in classes and sign your your paperwork once you get there. And then then it's a done deal. But up until that point, you can do whatever you want. Here's what I was thinking. The, the, The way people commit nowadays, it's fishy. Okay. Just because you say you're going to a school on Twitter doesn't mean you're going to that school. That's why it's always you take everything on Twitter with a grain of salt when it comes to recruiting and and that kind of stuff. Until a player sits down in a classroom and takes a class, they're not going to that school. In this case, like you said, he got out of there right when classes started, so he never, you know, officially went to UCLA. I wonder, uh, I'm curious to know why he made the jump. I mean, UCLA, Oklahoma, I don't know. UCLA's a nice, nice little spot. Some people run to that spot. Well, and Oklahoma looks like, I mean, it could be a, a good spot to go to, but most of the talent they got now is either going off to the NFL draft or, or hitting the transfer portal themselves. Yeah. We, we had Caleb Williams enter the transfer portal last night. We'll get into that in just a second. But we also learned uh, just about 30 minutes ago that Mario Williams, the, the first-team All-America wide receiver from down at Oklahoma this year, he has now entered his name into the transfer portal. And that means it's, I mean, that's two of the hottest commodities we have ever seen as transfer players entering their name into the transfer portal. A first-team All-American wide receiver. Combine that with a, a freshman, former five-star quarterback who turned around the fortunes of Oklahoma's season last year during uh, the Red River rivalry against Texas. It looked like Oklahoma was down and out in that game until Caleb Williams came and turned it around, really turned around their season. That was a hell of a game. Incredible game. Yeah. But you have those two now entering the transfer portal. Uh, it could be fun. Maybe a school out there is going to try to get a package deal. But that is yeah. that, that is two instant difference makers uh, that can change the, the fortunes of your team in one offseason. Caleb Williams is a guy that he's going to have – just uh, the the his choice of what school to go to across America. He can go Pac-12. He can go Big Ten. He can go SEC. He can stay in the Big Twelve. He probably won't, but he can go anywhere he wants to. Because when you look at what he did, his freshman year at Oklahoma. Now let's not forget it's a it's a it's a system that has had a whole bunch of great quarterbacks go through there in the past couple of years. Most of them, whom though, have found a lot of success in their years after Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield being the notable exception after what we well, saw last night. But it's yeah. the question is, is, is that a system that props up quarterbacks or is that a system that builds quarterbacks? Is Lincoln Riley just a quarterback builder? Well, that's I, the question it becomes. But with, with Caleb Williams in the transfer portal, that's a guy who has got Heisman potential, if not Heisman likelihood. Yeah. He's a guy where if you can put the right pieces around him, he's going to be a guy that's probably in Heisman contention before his time is done in college. And we've never seen something like that in the transfer portal before. You're, you're right. We haven't. But will it work out? Because we've seen the rates and, and how transfers pan out. It's not good. But, but last time we had a quarterback of this profile in the transfer portal, um, a guy that was one of the top recruits in the country, a five-star quarterback, we're, we're talking Justin Fields going to Ohio State. That's true. That, is that the last big one? That's the, the last, last one, one that, that, that worked out. And, and let's be clear here. Justin Fields was unproven during his time at Georgia. Barely any snaps. Right. I don't think he even had a single pass attempt during his career at But Georgia. he was a big recruit who a lot of people knew. And, and Caleb Williams is the same way. And let's add to the fact that Caleb Williams is also a guy that now has a season under his belt where he outperformed Spencer Rattler. 
yeah. who was going into the season, he was a, a Heisman contender. Baker. Baker went from Texas Tech to Oklahoma. But he was he was unheralded during his time to transfer. It worked. But we've we've never had a guy of this magnitude where you know I mean Oklahoma picking up Baker Mayfield didn't go, okay, we got a guy who realistically could and should be com- competing for a Heisman in the next couple of years. Didn't somebody go from wasn't there an Alabama Oklahoma connection with a quarterback? With Jalen Hurts. Did, did that work? I can't remember did, you know I mean it worked out for Jalen Hurts, worked out for Oklahoma. Yeah, it worked out for both sides, but I don't think anyone was expecting Jalen Hurts to go to Oklahoma and put up Man. Heisman numbers. It's weird how Oklahoma, you know, the way we're talking right now, the the quarterbacks that have gone through Oklahoma is insane during our life. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and now we got Dylan Gabriel entering that, but Caleb Williams is going to be highly sought after. I, I think to me, uh, we'll, we'll ask Steve Merrick what he thinks here in just a few minutes, but to me it's either USC, I mean, even maybe UCLA, but that doesn't, I don't think, I don't think he's going to go to a place, is he going to try to stick it to Lincoln Riley? I don't think so. Yeah, that's, it's, that's it, it. It's either USC to me or maybe the the SEC contender that throws the biggest NIL deal at him. If they still have a relationship with Lincoln and you know like the guy, USC's it. That's we're done. That's USC lock it down. But if they didn't like that, he you know left and mid you know mid season and took the job. Uh, maybe they don't like that. Then they'll think of another school. It's you know, but uh, it's gonna be fun. And, and you're right, man. There's it's not just those two. There's gonna be five more guys. They're planning on leaving Oklahoma. Mm. It's going to happen. Mm. The, the domino's just starting to fall for Oklahoma. What does it mean for Nebraska, though? Nebraska's quarterback situation. That's that's the question here is, does this impact anything? Well, it's weird. Let me ask you this. Casey Thompson, you know, his name has been brought up. Uh, let's be real. The second uh, Caleb Williams announced that he was transferring, Husker Nation was on that like a bite and sow. Uh, it's do you think that's because they're all Midwestern schools? That maybe they think, oh, Nebraska's in the Midwest. That's why they're throwing us in there. Like I, I just don't understand why we're getting, you know, because Casey Thompson is apparently liking us. I don't know. It's just well, the, what's interesting here is before, like for that hour before Dylan Gabriel announced that he was going to to Oklahoma, there was all the talk of well. Casey Thompson, you know, he's a Texas quarterback, but his, his dad was a former star quarterback at Oklahoma. Does it make sense if he now goes to Oklahoma and he's the guy? Sounds like no now with Dylan Gabriel. Caleb Williams, we talked about it yesterday. I'll reiterate again today. I, I will eat crow. I will, I will play this back, and I will play it on the air, and I will eat crow if I am wrong here, but he's yeah. not coming to Nebraska. Okay. Yeah, I know. I agree. He'd be wasting his time, I think. Like, even if Nebraska can – some boosters can throw together a, a giant NIL deal to try to lure him here, someone in the SEC – Which can, they could. Someone in the SEC with a, a winning program – can at least match that. We look at the yeah. Georgias, the Auburns, even LSU's. You know the, you, those teams of the world. They can match anything Nebraska boosters can put up. You just got to look at the former relationships. You know, does um, Dylan? Um, I'm Dylan thinking Gabriel. Of, Dylan Gabriel. Does he got a connection in Oklahoma? Maybe he may know a coach on that staff, and that's why we're seeing this double jump. So I don't know if 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 you know of somebody who Caleb Williams has been coached by before. As you know, keep keep that school open. It's hard to pick out a school that needs a quarterback because, you know, really anybody could use a guy like him. Yeah, but but let's look at the the the, the likely options uh, in terms of schools that still need a quarterback. It's <laughs> USC, UCLA, Nebraska. Let's make sure Nebraska's in that list. Ole Miss still needs a quarterback. But like, yeah, but like, this is what I mean though. Like, I feel like any any school would probably take Caleb Williams over what they have. I'm not saying this guy is like, you know. I don't. Maybe we're jumping the gun too of how good we're calling this guy. 
we've only seen a few games with them. And it's not like Oklahoma was the best team in the nation. So maybe we're jumping the gun on, on Caleb Williams. Maybe we need to relax. But the way you and I are talking, I, it's hard to pick out any school. It seems like any school would love to have Caleb. Well, that's how I feel. Yeah. Any school that doesn't have a guy that they think could or should win the, win the Heisman next year, I think you'd keep your options open to Caleb Williams. With the kind of talent you've seen him, him display, I know it's a short time at Oklahoma. Yeah. You just hit on that. But I'll repeat, though. We should slow down on the whole, you know, what, what's that movie with uh, Ray Allen and, you know, uh, he was like a high school prospect, you know, and God, everyone just raved about him. Oh, you know, oh, oh. It's, he, I, oh, we're, I we're, we're dating ourselves now. Den, with Denzel. He got game. He got game. I don't know. You know let's, not, let's not treat Caleb like everyone treated Ray in that movie. All right. Let's wait and see. He had some good plays in Oklahoma, but again, it's not like Oklahoma was the best team. A lot of fans here in Nebraska were down on Oklahoma. But, but I mean, when you look at it, the schools that still need a quarterback, I don't think there's that many – I mean, especially quarterbacks that can come in and make an instant impact in the transfer portal right now when you look at how many schools still need a quarterback. Because the, the, the quarterbacks that can realistically come in and make an instant impact, Casey Thompson started at Texas. He, he's got some experience down there. Put up some all right stats. Yeah, right. The, there's a possibility. Yeah. Um, you got uh, Purdy. Chuba. 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 Are, Chuba. are we sticking with Chuba? I'm going to stick with Chuba. Are, is that confirmed? I'm going I'm to I'm say it like Chuba Hubbard. So I'm going to say Chuba Purdy. Is it confirmed? Did you confirm that? I, I haven't talked to the kid, no. We should, I thought we were going to ask Greg yesterday. We never did that. You should, do you have Greg's number? I, 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 you should text I'll, him. I'll text him. All right, I want to know. I'll, I'll stick with Chuba until he gets back to me. I'll but, stick with Chuba. Okay. If I win, you owe me a quarter. <laughs> a quarter? Yeah. 25 cents. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um... So, we, 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 I mean, the, the news yesterday about Chuba Purdy was that he has locked in a mid-January uh, yeah. visit to Nebraska, and he's not been super forthcoming with what his, his recruiting plans are here, but it sounds like he's going to be visiting Nebraska in mid-January. So is he the guy? Uh, I know as of about two weeks ago, it sounded like Casey Thompson was the guy. So there, there's still just a lot of bring we, we, we don't in. know. Bring, bring them both in. And then you got Ward, the kid from uh, Incarnate Word. He's still looking for a, oh, for a landing really? spot, and I was hearing a lot of Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. Maybe that's, that's cooled off. Uh, he had an insane so because they had their their season move to the spring. Incarnate Word did because yeah. of COVID, and then they had another season in the fall. Oh wow! So like on the calendar year of 2021, he put up something ridiculous, like 70 touchdowns, some absurd as a essentially a true freshman in the spring, and then a sophomore in the a true sophomore in the the fall. Yeah, yeah, Chubb, you know, insane numbers. Purdy uh, visiting the 14th, it's 10 days away, so th- there's obviously no rush, you know, for 10 days away. you think if we wanted to get this thing done, he'd be visiting within the next, like, three or four days, but no, it's in 10 days. Uh, it's interesting. There's no, seems no rush for that, uh, and honestly, I don't know if he'd, he'd be, like, the starting option. This kid's got four years to play. He's barely played, so... The coaches must see something in him that they could really, you know, bring out. Well, what do you think happens first? Do you think Nebraska gets a, a transfer in the uh, a tr- transfer quarterback in the portal, or do you think Nebraska will lock in their assistant coaches? I th- there's a lot of time, a lot of time. I th- it's it's I don't know. It's tough to say. Um, there's a lot of guys out there. There's still a lot of guys to enter. I, I think they're still going to try and get a, a guy to come in and start. 
Okay, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll talk with Mitch Sherman here uh, in a little under an hour because he released his top 10 bold predictions for 2022, Uh-oh. one of which was that Nebraska will not bring in one transfer quarterback, but two. Oh, okay, Mitch. So, I love it. Well, we'll have to ask Mitch about that here. Uh, he'll be leading off the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, he also said he thought the, the sellout streak could be ending in 2022. Hmm. Well, would anybody be surprised now? I think we've after the red carpet experience and with some of the the non conference opponents Nebraska's got scheduled next yeah fall. a little bit um, they got, but then, yeah you nailed it exactly and plus you know we I think we've all kind of had that conversation you know and uh, that boat has kind of sailed we've kind of came to the fact that you know it could be ending soon if they don't get some wins soon which, well they need to take some seats out of that stadium. I'm with you on that one. Expa- just widen the seats to take the seats out. Yeah, some people, it's tough to get in there. Give my butt another three inches. Like, come yeah. on. Come on. I am I am squeezed in there. I got broad shoulders. I'm sitting there with my like, arms all squeezed in here just trying to watch a game at Memorial Stadium. I, I want to I wanna sit there and watch. We talked about that last week, but we'll, we'll see what, uh, if any, improvements are coming to Memorial Stadium. But we're going to get caught up here with Steve Mark, Hale Varsity Rider, coming up after the break. It's Hale Varsity Radio. <laughs> Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rolling through a Tuesday here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal alongside Will Wilson filling in for Chris Schmidt, who's going to be back in tomorrow. Right now, excited to welcome in a writer for Hale Varsity Magazine and HaleVarsity.com, Steve Marek, joining us as we want to talk some Husker women's basketball as the women hosting Michigan, a top 10 team in the country tonight. But Steve, before we get to that, I have to hit on this the transfer portal craziness we've been seeing uh, since we last talked to you. We got Caleb Williams entering the transfer portal. We have Dylan Gabriel committing to UCLA and then changing his mind and now committing to Oklahoma on the day he was supposed to start classes at UCLA. And Steve, just when we thought the the transfer portal couldn't get any weirder, any crazier, yesterday happens. How how crazy is this, right? I mean, this is the first year of this like really kind of popping off like it has and. It's been really fun, I guess, to view on the outside. But then, like when you're when you're somebody like me, where it's kind of your job to keep track of this, I, I see myself. I kind of my head's just like left and right and left and right, and thinking like, what else can come out of this? But uh, I guess at the end of the day, it's it's fun, it's new. Um, but yeah, it's a it's crazy time to follow college football athletics for sure with this transfer portaling here. Steve Marks with us here, Hail Varsity Radio. And Steve, I was getting some messages last night saying, can, can we find a way to snag Caleb Williams? And, and my answer was, well, <laughs> no. Um, but can, can you get into just where you think he's going to end up? Because to me, it's either going to be USC or whichever SEC school can throw the, the biggest wad of cash at him. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. I mean, like, you know, the, the easy pick right now would be, I guess, Georgia. Um, they, you know, they, they need a quarterback. Um, they need they need that special quarterback who can kind of put them over 
over the, the Saban hump, I guess you can say. Um, the Kirby Smart really hasn't done it yet, and he just needs that quarterback, it seems like, is the last piece that Georgia needs, and Caleb Williams could provide that. So I guess we'll see with that. But, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, why not, you know, Look at look at the Pac-12 lands, USC, maybe even UCLA. Um, it's those are big markets over there. I know um, the college football fandom hasn't been what it once was over there in LA, Los Angeles. But you know, if a, if a guy like Caleb Williams and all of his flash and dash and everything that he likes to do tries tries to build his brand, I think Los Angeles is a great place, you know, to do that and also um, play some good football and and maybe learn learn and keep playing under some head coaches that have, you know, have had a lot of um, success in the college game with Lincoln Riley and um, even uh, Chip Kelly in the NFL. People forget, I think he still has a, um, during his time with the Philadelphia Eagles, he still has a winning record over there for the three seasons. I think he coached the Eagles. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's going to be really, really interesting with Caleb. He's a really talented, athletic quarterback that everybody in the program would want to have on their roster. So it's, it's going to be one to watch. Steve, uh, I want to turn our attention to Nebraska's quarterback search um, because for the past couple weeks, it's felt like Casey Thompson has been the name uh, that Husker fans have been getting excited for. But then yesterday, uh, more transfer news. We heard that Chuba Purdy is going to be visiting Nebraska. So do we think that's that's a sign that maybe Nebraska has settled on the guy they want in Chuba Purdy, or, or is this still just way too early to try to read into it? Yeah, right now I think it might be a little bit too early, but let's keep in mind, like, why not take two, right? I mean, if, they're, if Chuba uh, – Super Purdy is willing to come over here and learn and develop as a young as a young guy who hasn't had a lot of experience in his career yet. Let's yeah, let's just like keep remembering that he's a freshman and he he was put in kind of a bad bad situation at Florida State and kind of thrown into the fire there and faced some collarbone injury um, adversity over there. So um, he's still a young player that has a lot to prove him under an offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach like a guy like um, Murphy Whipple who has plenty of experience doing that. You know, by all means, you take the kid. And along with uh, Casey Thompson, I mean, there's plenty of reasons to to come over uh, to come over to a place like Nebraska. I feel like and have kind of kind of be that experienced quarterback on the team in that quarterback room that Nebraska currently doesn't have. They don't have that experienced guy um, that that the offense can kind of lean on right now. With uh, Logan Smothers being the only one with a, a uh, a start under his belt, so I could see I could see Nebraska chasing both of those guys, and both of those guys, you know, seeing I guess potential down the road, and and for Casey Thompson uh, this next season to to come in there and, and be part of a program, and and uh, with Chuba just like kind of learn and uh, learn, and you know who knows what happens in the future, but it's it's got to be kind of tantalizing if you're a, if you're a young guy, um, kind of just looking at your future and seeing a Mark Whipple at offense. That's, you know, if I was in their shoes, I, I think that I'd be pretty excited about that. Yeah, Steve, one of the only places it feels like Nebraska isn't looking to, to give Mark Whipple some more talent is in the tight end room. And I really enjoyed your story about why Mark Whipple's hire uh, could or, or should excite Nebraska's tight end room. Can you tell us a little bit about that story and just what it is about Mark Whipple's offense uh, that was able to feature the tight end position last season at Pitt? Yeah, so that was a that was a kind of a fun story I did. I, I went back and was just kind of looking at Pitt's offense from this past season, 2021, and, and noticed that, like, you know, lo and behold, they have two talented tight ends on that roster from last season that, that were really used a lot um, on the field at the same time in, in that kind of that popular 12 personnel um, offensive set that you, you see more and more um, in, in college football with one running back and two tight ends. Um, and I, I just kind of just made the, 
you know, if you look at Nebraska last season, they did a lot of 12 personnel as well with uh, Austin Allen and Travis Bokelak. Bokelak being more of the extension of the of, of the offensive line, I guess you can say, just because his frame allows it at 6'6", 260 pounds. He's, he's a massive, massive human being. I don't know if you ever stood next to Travis, but he's just a, a huge human. Um, but, yeah, with uh, Austin Allen moving on, I think that, you know, it sets up nicely for Travis to kind of slide into Austin's role as, and kind of kind of be in a role where he could flash some more of his receiving skills because he didn't get a lot of passes thrown his way, a lot of targets. You know, this next season I, I could see Travis getting a lot more targets and, and being kind of a mentor, a role model of sorts to a lot of the young Husker tight ends, none other than the highly touted Thomas Fedoni. You know, he worked his butt off to get back on the field after tearing his ACL in the spring. And, you know, with that with that one-two punch of Travis Boklek and Thomas Fedoni, I think that just sets up Nebraska really nicely. And I think you can compare what what those two could do with what Kroll and Gavin Bartholomew did at, at Pitt. Steve Marks with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. You can find his work, HaleVarsity.com, or on his Twitter page, at Steve underscore Mark. He does some great work. Uh, it's a great Twitter follow for you to have. But, Steve, I, I want to move to the Nebraska women's basketball team who is coming off their first loss of the season against Michigan State. Tonight, they host the number eight team in the country. That's the Michigan Wolverines. It's going to be a, a tough battle for this Cornhusker team uh, if they want to take down a top 10 team at home. But, Steve, first tell me what went wrong for uh, the Nebraska women in that game against Michigan State last week, and what may they have learned from that as they try to bounce back tonight? Pretty simple. I just talking with Amy Williams after the game. I mean, she knew everybody who watched the game knew what went wrong at Michigan State. They shot way too many threes. They didn't make enough of them, and they gave up way too early um, on, on the post touches and kind of the inside game. Um, so that's one thing that I think that Nebraska really needs to kind of uh, keep at against against a really really good and talented. Um, Michigan team is is to keep going at them at the rim maybe get to the free throw line more and and you know if, if the three-point shot isn't going down maybe take less of them because they only made I think it was 21 percent from three off of 33 attempts a whopping 33 attempts they took um, so you know and I know Nebraska they want to play fast they're, they're kind of a smaller team this year they play a lot of guards and those guards are really good at shooting threes I mean Josh Shelley and and Ashley Scoggin are north of 40 percent both both uh north of 40 percent shooting the the three ball so they can they are they're like sharpshooters they can make those shots but sometimes not every single game they're going to be going down so you have to like you know find other ways to manufacture points and that's kind of just going going right at the rim and, and getting the post game going a little bit and they just simply didn't do that at michigan state so that'll, that'll, that'll be something to watch if if the, if the three ball isn't going down against michigan tonight you know how, how are they going to find those points and I think you know just kind of sticking with the post game is going to give them the better chance at, at what they did you know considering what they did um, last week at Michigan State yeah, and you mentioned this Nebraska team not huge they, they, they shoot the three ball well but tell me how will that match up against this Michigan team I know they've been scoring a lot of points recently and uh, Nebraska is going to have to keep up if they want to try to get a chance uh, down the stretch at a win tonight but just big picture how well does Nebraska match up with this Michigan team yeah, so if if it's gonna if it's not gonna be a fast track meet game that Nebraska I think would kind of excel in, it's a really tough matchup because Michigan is big. I mean, just look at last year's uh, player, Big Ten Player of the Year, Nods Hillman. She is really really good. She's six foot two. She's averaging over twenty points, almost a double double. And then the former Husker, the transfer um, Leah Brown, who who played for the Huskers and was a sixth Player of the Year. 
um, two seasons ago while at Nebraska. She's six foot one and she's pouring in about 15 points a game. Then their third leading scorer, Emily Kaiser, she's six. She's six three. So it's really going to be important for for a smaller Husker team to really, you know, get tough, um, not shy away from contact, and rebound the basketball. It's going to be really, really hard, obviously, to do that against a bigger team. But they can do it. Um, it's it's just going to be really interesting to see how they, you know, kind of just I guess knock bodies against this bigger Michigan team because. The Wolverines are big. They're, they have talented players. This is a top-10 matchup. It's going to be an exciting night. But, you know, just looking at the size, you know, the Huskers don't really match up well. But if, if the Huskers get going early, if they're running the court, if shots are going down, that could play to their benefit as well. So I guess we'll just have to see how it goes. Steve Marks with us. And, Steve, before we let you go here, give me one player who's got who's got to step up for this Husker team. Now, if you could pick one girl on the team who needs to have an, an MVP-type performance if Nebraska wants to pull the upset tonight? Yeah, um, I, okay, so I think the easy answer might be Jazz Shelley. Um, she's, the, she's the leading scorer of the Huskers at around 13 points per game. She had it, you know, everybody kind of knows she had, she had the triple-double earlier in the season against non-conference and against a non-conference opponent. She's been, you know, really shooting the lights out from the three-point arc. That'd be the easy, easy answer. But let's go with, I guess, Isabella Bourne. I think she's a very, 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 very talented player. She's a six-two forward. She has the ability to stretch, to stretch the court, to stretch the defense out with that three-point shot. But it's just sent, lately she hasn't really been like finding, finding her touch, finding her rhythm. And you know, I think she's only uh, scored in double digits the, the once in the past four four games. And she's a she's a really talented player. Like I talked about last season, she was a second-team All-Big Ten Conference player. So she has the talent, but it hasn't quite clicked um, this season for whatever reason. But I think if if a girl like Isabella Bourne um, can come in there and and kind of just against a top ten opponent, you know she's going to be guarding Naz Hillman. I have to think quite often tonight if she can kind of match what Naz is doing on the offensive end and defensive end. I think that's really going to be a kind of a bright spot, a highlight uh, for Amy Williams' team, um, just to see. Isabel get back on track and, and get to be back to return to the form that she played with last last season. At Steve underscore Mark is where you can find him on Twitter. That's where I'll be keeping updated with the game tonight. I'm going to be at my bowling league tonight, Steve. So uh, I'll, be, I'll be checking your Twitter, seeing what's going on in the game tonight. But you enjoy the game tonight. Have a good one. And I, I guess I just realized, uh, have a happy new year as well. It's the first time we've talked to you in 2022. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've enjoyed uh, talking with you guys. Uh, thanks for having me on and and kind of, you know, helping me along with this process. So it's, it's been really fun. And, and, yeah, good luck with that bowling match. I'll be pulling for you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Steve, have a good one. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr chime in 402 466 espn or 
Email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good to get caught up with Steve Marek in that last segment here. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson taking you through here on a Tuesday as we eagerly await the return of Chris Schmidt, uh, which work, it was an alternate title to, to Lord of the Rings, that, that third movie. They never uh, they, they never settled on that one, though. They, they went with Return of the King instead of Return of Chris Schmidt, but thought it could have been a good one. No, no, the, the joke is flopped. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know that show. Never watched it. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. No. Don't watch that. Yeah. What is wrong with you? A movie. Sorry. I guess it's a movie. You never watched Lord of the Rings? No, I haven't. I, you know, I, I, I'm never really a fan of people who you know rag on somebody for not seeing a movie. Like they haven't seen the movie. Relax. That's the. That's like the greatest movie series like of my like. I rank Lord of the Rings above Star Wars in terms of like movie series. Well, I haven't seen Star Wars either, so I got. You're lying to me now. No, I haven't. I got to get to that. Still have to see that. <laughs> what movies have you seen? Uh, I've seen some movies. Name some other movies. I bet I've seen them. Godfather. Yeah, I've seen that. Okay. Well, at least you've seen like one of the good, the, the yeah. good like movies. I've seen. Godfather. I've seen those. I've seen Casino, uh, The Irishman. I did watch on Netflix. Yeah, I'm st- okay. You add Lord of the Rings. Put that top of the list. We'll see. We'll I, see. I, every, the only problem is every single movie is like two hours and forty five minutes. So yeah, that's it, a lot. It, it's a it's a time commitment, but it's yeah. worth it in the end. I'll get bored. It's like you, get you, bored. you'll watch all three and you go, "This was great." I'm sure I'll like watch these again someday. But like, you, you need a little break from them after you, especially if you sit down and like do a little uh, a little marathon of the three. Like, oh man, yeah, I'll get that, bo- I'll get bored. I'll get bored. Full day. One of the, one of the greatest movie series of all time. It's I quote it all the time. I feel wow. Like. I don't think so. I don't think I've ever heard you quote that. Well, you wouldn't know. You're right. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've, uh, I'm, if you got a problem with uh, with Will Wilson never seeing Lord of the Rings, give us a call 402-466-3776. Actually, actually uh, give us a call if you want to talk some Oscar football because that's what we're going to be getting into again. Uh, as we, we saw on Twitter last night, apparently, allegedly, Nebraska's private jet has been making some uh, some stops, racking up some air miles over the past couple days since oh, really? New Year's. Uh, and we had a report that last night, or I guess yesterday afternoon more accurately, uh, the, the private jet stopped down in Gainesville, Florida. And uh, considering that we're still in the recruiting dead period, the coaches can't visit with any players. We assume that's coaching staff. And, and the name that, that comes to mind here is Greg Knox. Yeah, Greg Knox. That's that's what a, a few outlets have been reporting. Who who we're looking at uh, for the running backs position, Gainesville, Florida. Uh, that's probably what's going on. Unless you know, Travis trying to go down to the beach, have a little vacation. Not sure. Uh, that's probably what's going on. Uh, is looking at Greg Knox. Yeah, and Greg Knox, a guy that's been the, the running back coach for a couple years at Florida. Before that, he was with Mullen at Mississippi State, and uh, both of those stops. He's experienced as a special teams coordinator as well, so that's intriguing. Before we get back into Knox, let's uh, go to the phone lines here as Paul joins us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Paul, which way are you going here? Are you going to be talking Lord of the Rings with us, or are you going to be talking Oscar football? First off, anyone that can't name at least four members of the original 12 that went searching for the ring, I, don't, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a popoplectic. Now... I'm with you. the quarterback, it's over. Chaba, done. Chaba. 
As far as uh, quarterback, uh, running back coach, I'd say, yeah, there's a good chance you're going to get the Florida guy. But nice. in the end, I'd really love to see uh, Ron Brown back. But you're, you're, you're going with Chubba. Chubba! <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I'll stick with Chuba. As for Knox, um, Paul, what do you think? I mean, I know you, you like Ron Brown, but I personally like the idea of after you, what you've seen from the offense from a couple year, for the past couple years now of going – out of Scott Frost staff to, to find a, a new a new coach to bring in here. He's done that with the other positions. It makes the most sense to me is to just start afresh in the offensive side of the ball, right? Sure, if you want to put logic and common sense and brainitude into this. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. The smart move is to get some new blood in, someone who can lead for a while and hopefully has someone that uh, he can pull in to this cycle to maybe beef up the room. Gotcha. Well, Paul, appreciate the call. call. Um, appreciate you every single – the energy. The energy you brought the past yeah. couple of days has just been infectious. Chubba! <laughs> He's in on Chubba. There you go. Paul, thanks for the call today. Paul is in on Chubba. Uh, by the way, he, he makes the show better. It's a good call. The energy is good there. But as for for Greg Knox here, got into just a little bit there. He's He's got a lot of experience. He's, uh, he's coached – uh, some very good special teams units, which I, I think is, is a big plus, even if Bill Bush is announced as the official special teams coach with the the amount of problems you've seen the past couple of years. Yeah, bringing a guy with more special teams experience. Uh, and plus, what the Gators had this season was, uh, on top of a, a solid special teams unit, was that they had a, a rushing attack, which um, was reliable. Uh, their, their two running backs this year combined average uh, almost 4.7 yards per rush, which is pretty good. And they also had three 75-plus yard rushing plays on the season. Okay. Which So not only does it bring uh, running backs, which uh, are coached to, I mean, 4.7 yards per carry is mm-hmm. nothing to scoff at. That's a, a great total. But then yeah. they're also bringing the explosive ability, which is what Nebraska really lacked in the run game, not only this year, the year before that, really dating back to the Divina Zigbo days in, yeah. in Maurice Washington, where Nebraska had any sort of explosive rushing attack. Well, and that's the, the, the other thing that we they kind of failed to do is develop, right? We, we can recruit. We got guys to campus. Uh, they just didn't really pan out. They didn't really turn into something. So hopefully uh, whoever they get – can develop more than anything. That's what I think a lot of fans want in this running back position is somebody who can develop this young talent, uh, get him to where we want. Because we haven't seen that uh, in the running back position at all. So I think that's what a lot of people want. Uh, can this guy develop? You'll have to, I'll have to look at his you know, resume, who he's coached. Can he recruit? That's another thing. And, and a big aspect that I like to look at here too is uh, we talked about yesterday how the running back position has been evolving, especially – I mean, looking up at the NFL, even across college football, you look at guys like Christian McCaffrey. Um, you look at guys like Austin Eckler, guys that would, who are, are dangers in their own right in the passing game as well as just strictly getting handed the ball and saying, hey, run towards the end zone. Uh, guys that are effective in the passing game, uh, I don't want to say that's a worry with Ron Brown, um, but that's not necessarily something his running backs have, have shown uh, during their time, is dating back to even the the, the 90s, where yeah, uh, right. the, the running back wasn't really a part of the passing game. Amir Abdullah and Rex Burke had got a, a little bit more there. But what Greg Knox did was this year, uh, his running backs, 67 receptions for a total of 752 yards. That's just in the running back position. And I believe, uh, I don't have the staffs off my head, but I believe that would make the running back position uh, third in terms of uh, receptions and yards behind uh, Austin Allen and Samari Toure this season. Uh, I believe that that would have... Uh, eclipsed everyone else on the team in terms of receiving yards. So that's huge to have a guy who knows how to coach uh, running backs that can 
uh, catch the ball just as well as they can just take the ball and run. Uh, and not to mention uh, Florida's special teams, amazing. Their uh, their special teams as a whole were ranked as third in the country, and uh, they had a 45-yard just about net punting average. Uh, so he was doing a lot at Florida in okay. terms of running backs, special teams, and finding success really with all of them. I, I, um, I was going to give you my trivia question regarding Florida interim head coaches. because Which Greg Knox was the interim Knox's, head coach. He's the interim head coach. Go, yeah. Maybe I'll give you that next segment. Yeah, let's, let's save it. Kay. Okay. We'll, we'll see if I, I know your trivia question. I love your trivia in the mornings. Uh, so uh, we're moving that to the afternoons now. We'll have our – what was it? So one more time. Give us the teaser. The last coach to coach for Nebraska who is a Florida interim head coach okay. in any sport. It's next. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back in. It's a Tuesday edition of Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson. As uh, we're uh, nearing the end of hour one here. Uh, full hour, really, as we had Steve Mark join us back at uh, 425. If you missed that interview uh, you can catch it on ESPNLincoln.com coming up here in just a few minutes as uh, Steve uh, got into some Husker basketball thoughts. Husker women tonight hosting Michigan, number eight team in the country. Looking forward to that one as Amy Williams crew off to a, a hot start this season. The one critique has been uh, the strength of schedule for this Husker team ranking about 150th in the country. Michigan coming in with a much higher strength of schedule. Uh, they have been tested by some top 25 teams this year, dropping one of those games, uh, but they have taken down some really good teams as well. So that'll be a good test for the Huskers tonight at Pinnacle Bank Arena, getting tipped off around eight. Coming up after the break, we'll have Mitch Sherman leading off hour two. That's going to be good. But Will, you had a trivia question for us, and I, I know I know the people sitting at home are, are just dying they, to hear. They what this are just is. on their seats, man. And I thank you for waiting patiently. Uh, so you're talking about Greg Knox. Mm-hmm. He right now he was the interim head coach, or still is at Florida. Uh, I don't think he is anymore. Not he's not there anymore. Well, he's like yes. But no, like okay. like they've hired Napier, and Napier's going to be oh, taking right. the reins here shortly. Yes. So. so he's not employed. But he was the interim head coach at Florida. Um, if we were to hire him, who he would be the first coach that we've hired who was in an interim head coach role at Florida since this coach who we hired a few years ago. Now, this it's not in football. I'll give you that hint. It's in a different sport who we hired as an assistant that was an interim head coach at Florida. I'm going to start with the sport here. They were the interim coach at Florida, and they got hired as an assistant. So I'm going to think volleyball? No. Not the right sport. (sighs) Uh, He is still employed. Still employed? Basketball. Basketball? Oh, was it Armand Gates? Oh, yeah, assistant men's basketball coach. I, I believe he was he was the associate head coach at Florida before he hired him. I think they fired their coach and he was interim for uh, a few games. I don't know. It's just it's a stupid trivia question. I I didn't expect anyone to know it. Some of you might have. Uh, I just I had no idea. Feel really smart right now. So <laughs> it's a good trivia. Trivia with Will Wilson. Yes. Hail Varsity Radio. Everyone's yes. favorite segment. Uh, Will, before we get out of here this hour, I do want to touch on the story from earlier. Not sure how much of it's BS, how much of it's real, but that's Jim Harbaugh apparently has some mutual interest with an NFL team uh, that may want to bring him in 
uh, after the season. I think the short list of teams you'd be looking at there would be the Bears, uh, Broncos. Am I missing? I mean, am I missing teams here where it just seems like that would make the most sense Um, for Jim Harbaugh? Which which team could there be mutual interest from? It doesn't quite make sense at all. Um, You know, you named off those two. A Jags, maybe. Um, they wouldn't go down to the college ranks again, would they? I don't know. Probably not. That's a good point. Uh, Vikings, you know, it's hard to tell what the Vikings would do. Could Pete Carroll be on the hot coach or on the hot seat for the Seahawks? Uh, this year? Maybe, maybe that's a good point. I, I just can't see him going to the NFL after making the college football playoff, which is something you've been fighting to do. There's two ways I go here. One is that he doesn't like all the speculation that was around him last year, and he's ready to get out now because he knows well. I don't have the same team next year. Or is it they restructured my contract last season? Let's try to get another restructure this offseason to to reward my performance this year. That's where I'm leaning. It's uh, end of hour one. we got Mitch Sherman coming up after the break here on Hale Varsity Radio. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into Hour 2 here, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal and Will Wilson in today as we fill in for Chris. Coming back from Arizona as I speak to you right now, he'll be back in for the show tomorrow. But right now, excited to sit down here with uh, a man who covers Nebraska football year-round for the Athletic. It's Mitch Sherman. And Mitch, I know you got a week away. We were talking yesterday, uh, felt like it was a bit of a, a, a slow week uh, around Christmas and New Year's, but now everything's ramping back up. Got Caleb Williams in the transfer portal, Dylan Gabriel not going to UCLA, going, going to Oklahoma, and that's all been crazy. But where I want to go first here is news that, that just broke here a couple hours ago, and that's that Jim Harbaugh may be considering off to the NFL this season after the year he had at Michigan today. I, I just want to get your instant read on that situation there. Yeah, Elijah, good to talk to you. I think it's always in the back of people's minds with Harbaugh. You know, he's never been somebody who stayed at one spot for a long time. And, and when, when things kind of turned sour on him a year ago at Michigan. I think the belief was that he might not be able to get out on his own terms, which has generally been the case when he's made a move in his career. And this season, of course, getting to the college football playoff, it solidified his standing uh, in Ann Arbor. You know, he did take the uh, the restructured contract, um, you know, kind of a precursor to what happened with Scott Frost here in, in November um, in, within the Big Ten. Um, a bit of a model that, that, that Trev Alberts was able to look at as Nebraska restructured Frost deal. Har- Harbaugh had that here in, in 2021 coming out of the, the 2020 season. Um, so uh, not a shock in, in, in um, you know, with, with all that I've said there that he might 
uh, entertain going back to the NFL. I mean, he's been there. His brother is in the league. Um, of course, he has connections. You know, the Bears job seems to be coming open, and that's a, a, an NFL organization, of, of course, that he's been associated with. Um, I, I would have expected that, uh, that his name would have been among the first um, within the college ranks to come up when the NFL jobs do come open uh, next Monday. It's, uh, it's Black Monday next Monday, the Sunday after the last regular season weekend of the NFL. And there are always going to be jobs that come open, and there are always going to be some college names associated with those positions. Mitch Sherman's with us here. Uh, you can find Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Sherman is where you find him. And Mitch, actually uh, taking uh, a second here to squeeze us in because you got some some dad duties and you also had a story to finish up today. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, uh, coordinator in Nebraska history. Um, the Huskers have kind of fallen behind the times uh, a, a bit in recent years since Scott Frost. Um, and and Chenander came for, from UCF. Uh, at that time, it was it was rare to uh, to see those million dollar coordinators. But now, um, there's multiple guys in the in the Power Five at coordinator positions who are making over two million dollars. You know, we've yet to hear what Mark Whipple's salary is going to be. Um, heard about Donovan Riola and Mickey Joseph last month after their hires were announced, but Whipple's contract is, has still yet to be revealed. Um, I would imagine that 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 you know a factor in that is is that both he and Chenander are going to be right around that $1 million mark. Chenander is set on his current deal to make $800,000 in 2022. And the work that he's done with the Nebraska defense, I think, has made him, um, you know, along with the fact that there are coordinators all over the country who are making upwards of one, one and a half million dollars. You know, Chenander, despite Nebraska's struggles uh, over the past four years as a team, um, has coached the defense to a, to a solid place, um, allowing less than 23 points per game this year, um, and and then really just developing a number of players, both young and old, guys who led that group in 2021 and are set to do it in, in, in 2022. Um, you know, I think he's a, a, a worthy um, a worthy person to to have that distinction as the first at Nebraska to get into the seven figures as a as a, as a um, offensive or defensive coordinator. Looking forward to that one, Mitch. And Mitch, while we're on the topic of, of coaching, I think you knew I was going to have to go here at some point today. Nebraska is still with a few positions left to fill. It sounds like uh, Dawson's going to be sliding over and, and coaching the defensive line for next season. Uh, but we still don't know a running a running backs coach, as well as possibly uh, Bill Bush being named a, a special teams coach. We're, we're not quite sure what's going to be happening there. Do you have a read uh, of where the, the wins are going for Nebraska in terms of a, a running backs coach, a special teams coach, and, and is Dawson the guy for defensive line? Yeah, I think you laid it out pretty well, Elijah. Um, I, I definitely think it makes a lot of sense for Mike Dawson to coach the defensive line, but, but both because of the fact that, that he has coached a number of those players. You remember he's been Nebraska's defensive line coach, or he was Nebraska's defensive line coach before Tony Tuioti came when Dawson left uh, to go work with the New York Giants. Um, you know, the majority of the players that he that he coached during, during that time have moved on from the program. You know, you see Damian Daniels moving on to the NFL this year. Of course, the, the Davis Twins a year ago went to the NFL. But, but you know, Dawson has been involved with those guys uh, for the majority of, of their careers, either as somebody who helped recruit them, the defensive linemen, or as somebody who was coaching a position that meshed quite a bit with the, 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 the defensive front. Uh, his guys like Garrett Nelson and Caleb Tanner at those outside linebacker positions have really become 
um, quasi defensive ends in in Eric Janander's defensive scheme, especially in this in this last year, and with the looks that that Nebraska likes to give um, against physical Big Ten opponents. So I, I think it's a natural move for Dawson to take on uh, the defensive interior players, in addition to continuing to coach those outside backers or maybe their defensive ends. However, you want to. Uh, I believe they were they, they were listed as defensive ends, Nelson and, and Tanner, by the end of the season this year on Nebraska's roster and depth chart so um, you know really that kind of metamorphosis of the defense that would pave a way for Dawson to be able to coach that front four um, has has already already was in was in motion before Tony Tuioti left to take the job at Oregon and, and of course you have Chenander um, with experience coaching that um, the Jojo Doman position the nickel spot um, which is the other half of that that outside linebacker responsibility so it really makes a lot of sense with what Nebraska can do at its defensive position and Bill Bush is a natural fit as a special teams coordinator. He's somebody who can pitch in with the defense when the special teams are not working at practice. You know, it's, it, I know everybody wants the special teams coordinator to be a full-time role, and you know, I'm I'm in that camp. I've been on that um, on that kick for for a couple of years. That how important it is for Nebraska because of just the uh, the minute details that special that are so essential with special teams and, and you know seem to play a huge role in, in multiple Nebraska games every year. This, this season, it was like. You know that that where where the special teams looms loom so large, and Nebraska was often on the wrong side of of, of that uh, decision. But um, it's it's not something where uh, the special teams coordinator is going to coach the special teams um, every moment of every practice. There are periods in the practice where you're not working on special teams, and if Bill Bush is the coordinator, um, and he can be dedicated in that role, and he can also pitch in defensively with some practice work. So I think that. Um, in addition to the Dawson move, makes a lot of sense, which leads to the question about a running backs coach, and, and you know we'll see. Um, you know I think he, Frost probably wants to bring somebody in from the outside. If he was going to pick Ron Brown, um, that would have been a, a move that he already could have made. Um, you know Brown would I think would still be considered a candidate if Nebraska is not able to land um, somebody who's who's attractive to uh, to Frost and the, and the offensive coaches from outside. But they they have they have the ability to. Uh, to win both ways, keep Brown on staff in his in his uh, advising and analyst role, um, and bring in a, an experienced running backs coach from the outside. So um, we'll see where where they head with that. You know, the coaches convention is, is this weekend. Um, you know, there will be numerous, uh, you know, dozens, hundreds of coaches in San Antonio talking about jobs. You know, there may be more positions that open up that that create something for Nebraska where, where you could see another candidate emerge. But um, you know, I think Frost uh, as of the turn of the, the the year into 2022 had a pretty good sense about what he wanted to do with that running back spot. Now, I, I want to get back to the, the D-line position in, in Dawson. It hasn't officially been announced yet, but it sounds like that's the way things are going. If that is the hire, if Dawson is going to be the defensive line coach, what do you make of that? After Scott Frost went out and made some splash hires on the offense, went out of his own staff to, to do that, to go in and have a guy that's been on his staff for a few years. I know there was that stint with the Giants, but he's been with Dawson for a few years now. Is that just a marriage of convenience, or is, is there something to the uh, the factor of keeping continuity within that defense and within that defensive coaching staff? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to strike a balance between that, that uncomfortableness that Trev Alberts talks about um, that he wants with 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 these hires and and you know with with decisions that are made throughout the football program and throughout the athletic department, um, he doesn't want Nebraska to always go for the comfortable move. But there's a balance to be struck there between finding a way to make uncomfortable moves and also doing things that work 
within the system and work for, for what you know and what you have. Nebraska doesn't have the luxury uh, of being able to break in a bunch of new coaches and say, okay, this is a year where we're going to feel things out, and then you know, year two or year three with this staff, then we start, we start playing to our potential or coaching to our potential. They've got to do it here in 2022, and I think everybody understands that on the coaching staff and, and within the fan base and in the, within that locker room. It's pretty, it's pretty much a known, uh, a known commodity right now that Nebraska needs to, needs to win, needs to up its, um, up its, uh, its winning percentage and, and you know, make it to the postseason uh, in, in 2022 to avoid some, some uh, seismic change within the program. So, um, you know, in light of that, um, I, I do think it makes sense to, to move Dawson to a position that he's familiar with and work with players who he knows. Few minutes left here. Mitch Sherman with the Athletic joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Mitch, before we get to your, your bold predictions for 2022, you know I have to go there because some of those predictions are pretty interesting. I, I got to ask about the quarterback position. Uh, it's been the, the talking point within Nebraska for a few weeks now. And Chuba Purdy sounds like going to be taking a visit to Nebraska. You still have Casey Thompson in the fold, but now news of uh, Caleb Williams entering the transfer portal, as well as Dylan Gabriel flipping his commitment, just, just seems to have upended things just a little bit in terms of the quarterback market in the transfer portal. So uh, do you think there's any change for, for Nebraska's uh quarterback recruitment here now that Caleb Williams and uh, and excuse me Dylan Gabriel uh, have uh, kind of changed up what their intentions were thought to be a couple weeks ago I don't think that impacts Nebraska um, you know there are connections of course between Casey Thompson the, the former Texas quarterback and the University of Oklahoma his, his dad Charles Thompson played at Oklahoma um, you know, Casey is from Oklahoma City, so yeah, I think there, there 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 could have been, would have been some thought about whether that could be a potential landing spot for him after Williams, uh, Caleb Williams, made his announcement yesterday that he's gonna, going to uh, basically declare himself a free agent. You know, maybe come back to Oklahoma. You know, I want to wants wants to look around. I mean, this is this is just um, you know, it's another variation on um, this this massive change that we've seen across the landscape of college football. I haven't seen one quite phrased or, or, or portrayed the way that the Williams decision was yesterday, but really it's just the same thing as anybody else who enters the portal. You know, you never entirely close the door on going back to where you came from. I, I think the, the, um, the decision by Dylan Gabriel, who was committed to UCLA and was on campus at UCLA after leaving UCF um, at the end of the season uh, the decision by Gabriel to to go ahead and 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 go to Oklahoma and take that spot, um, it, it greatly lessens the likelihood that that either Casey Thompson or Caleb Williams will end up back in Norman. Um, you know, Caleb Williams is not somebody that Nebraska is going to be able to pursue with any kind of uh, success. You know, he's in that elite category of of uh, of quarterback who's going to pick from about. Um, the top five or six programs in the country, you know, throw USC into that mix because of where his former coach Lincoln Riley is at. Um, and, and that's about all you've got, I think, that with, with, with any kind of a shot at all to land a guy like Caleb, Caleb Williams. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Thompson is, Thompson is certainly a, a possibility for Nebraska. And, and, and of course, um, Brock Purdy remains um, – uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Chuba Purdy. Um, Brock is off to the NFL after his career at Iowa State, but Chuba Purdy remains um, a possibility for Nebraska too. And I, I think with him making a visit um, to Lincoln, um, that that even increases the likelihood that he ends up wearing um, the Nebraska uniform and is a part of Nebraska's plans as a quarterback in, in 2022. I, I would I would expect that if he has a good visit, 
um, enjoys himself, sees himself as a fit uh, in Lincoln. That that uh, you know, in the days after his visit, you'll, you'll see him um, as a part of the team. But uh, that doesn't mean that he's the starter in uh, in 22. He has four years to play. He's somebody that Nebraska could take its time with if if he's on the roster. Um, certainly would be somebody who would who would be a competitor with Logan Smothers. Uh, and Heinrich Harburg, and Heinrich Harburg, and would would leave open the door for the Huskers to continue to pursue a more veteran quarterback um, who would be, um, you know, more ready to step in and take over um, the job uh, immediately. About 90 seconds left here, Mitch. You, I mean, you got into this the quarterback position in your 10 predictions for 2022, and you do this every single year. You went six for 10 in 2021. But one of your predictions here was that Nebraska will add two quarterbacks via the transfer portal. And when it doesn't even look like a guarantee that Nebraska is going to be getting one, what makes you think that two mm-hmm. is the number for Nebraska? Well, I mean, there's just three on on uh, on scholarship on the roster, um, and that includes an incoming freshman in, in uh, Richard Torres, who. Uh, is coming off of an injury, and I don't think there's a real expectation that he's going to be ready to play immediately um, as as he rehabs and, and needs to add some size and strength. Uh, in addition to that, you know, Harburg remains, I would say, um, a bit of a, of a project. He's been in the program for just one year. You know, huge, huge potential, really high ceiling for him um, in what he can do at Nebraska. Um, but, but I don't think I would want to throw him. I don't, I don't think the Nebraska coaches, knowing the, the, the situation in 22, want to throw him into the position of being asked to start and lead this team. So that just leaves you with one guy, you know, who, who is potentially ready to handle the job next season with, with Smothers, who started uh, in the Iowa game, of course. Um, so adding, adding just one, one more to the mix, um, you know, you could do it and you can, you can possibly get by with it. Um, teams have, have made it through with less. Um, but it would be more comfortable for Nebraska, of course, to have um, to have five quarterbacks on scholarship, and and you know that to do that you you would have to add two. Mitch Sherman's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. Check out his story with his ten predictions for 2022. Uh, Mitch, appreciate you squeezing us in today, and have a lovely rest of your week, rest of 2022. Actually, all right. All right, thanks, Elijah. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of HaleVarsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Elijah Herbal here alongside Will Wilson, taking through today's Hale Varsity Radio as we are uh, nearing the end of the show already. It's been a quick show today as we had Steve Mark join us back in hour one. Just heard from Mitch Sherman, Mitch with The Athletic. Always good insight from Mitch. A uh, big thank you to him for squeezing us in today. Uh, but it's uh, Will Wilson and myself for the rest of the show today. We eagerly await the return of Chris Schmidt tomorrow. High school basketball coming up here locally tonight. I'll be working that tonight, and then Chris is back tomorrow, and I'll be back to my usual duties of producing yeah. okay. and filling in when I can, and, uh, and Schmitty's back hosting tomorrow. You did a great job. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It means a lot. Um, well, where I want to go with this segment is uh, a story I saw from uh, The Athletic. We just talked with Mitch from The Athletic, and 
I had to peruse through some stories. I saw an interesting one. It got me thinking. And uh, the, the question was, was with the era of the transfer portal, and especially after what we've seen in this offseason with quarterbacks in the transfer portal, the question was, is the era of the backup quarterback in college football, uh, is it over with? And, and I think uh, we, we've all heard the, the phrase, the backup quarterback's the most popular guy in town. Yeah, see, I haven't. Uh, we were kind of talking off air, and you, I've never heard of that. I, I haven't. It's kind of like an old footballism that the backup quarterback's the most popular guy in town because even though the quarterback's the starting quarterback, every single time he makes a mistake, everyone's going to be angry calling for the backup. Yeah. I mean, think, think back to how Nebraska started the year with Adrian uh, during that COVID year. Who, who's the most popular guy on the team? Who's the guy everyone oh, yeah. knew his name? Who's, who's the guy everyone wanted to see on the field? People, and Some people did not want to see Luke. A lot did. Um, a lot of people wanted to see Smothers uh, this year, too. Um, I, But to me, when you said that, I didn't quite agree with it because the starting quarterback is always going to be the you know the person that everybody knows. It's the person on TV. So that's why I, it wasn't quite adding up in my brain. But if you put it that way, but it's, I it's, get it. The backup quarterback is the guy that probably second most name recognition on the team. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but you know what I mean? Among the football fans, people know who the backup quarterback is and you get that name recognition, but you don't get any of the, the negatives on the field. You don't really get to see that. You don't get to see why they're not the starter. So it instantly becomes, well, the starter's making all these mistakes. Adrian's throwing picks in the fourth quarter. Adrian can't go win a football game. Let's see what, let's see yeah. what some others can do. That makes sense. I think back to BMS, Blue Mountain State. <laughs> I was thinking the same right? thing. Alex Moran, he was, uh, he was the backup uh, and he was very popular. Very popular. He did become the starter at some point. Remember that? Yeah, but it's. I think. uh, First off, I love that show, Blue Mountain State. Great show. Hilarious football. Or hilarious show about football, about college football. I need to go back and watch it again. It's hilarious because he he comes in and he's like, I I got the best job on campus. I'm the backup quarterback. I get to sit here at practice and not play. I get to sit there in the game and not play, and everyone knows who I am. It's true. Uh, I'm I'm popular. And it's the same concept, but this article was questioning whether or not the era of the backup quarterback is done for in college football. Now with the transfer portal, because look what happened to Luke McCaffrey, the backup quarterback. He didn't get the opportunity he thought he deserved here at Nebraska. He still wanted to be a quarterback, and what does he do? Supposed to sitting here waiting his turn, trying to, to get better, trying to, to study what Adrian's doing well, what he's doing poorly, and trying to improve upon that. He decides to go hit the transfer portal and go to Louisville and then Rice. I wonder if he's going to be making any moves from Rice. Rice, I mean... I don't think anywhere uh, unless he is not playing the quarterback position, unless he's finally decides to make a yep. make a position. We know move. that. He, he, yeah. I mean, did you see? I didn't personally see any of the Rice games. I don't make an effort to go find Rice on TV and go watch them. However, I did keep up with his stats this year and uh, looked about on pace from what we saw from his quarterbacking here at Nebraska. So yeah, we know. Um, you know, he had a lot of expectations coming out. I, I don't think Rice is, is exactly his ceiling. I think he'll be trying to find something better than that. But just look at the, the quarterbacks that were in the transfer portal this year or even still are in the transfer portal this year. You look at Spencer Rattler. He was the first big name off the board. And what was he by the end of the year? He was the backup. You, you look at uh, Slovis out at USC. Uh, I know he had injuries and some other things derail him, but essentially what was he at USC but the backup? Purdy right. down at Florida State. Yep, he's the backup. It's mm-hmm. just this isn't the new thing. Is the 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 new the backup quarterback in the new era? Why would they sit behind a guy, not see the field, um, really just 
not do much for a team aside from wait for the the starting quarterback to maybe get injured. Whenever you can go transfer somewhere else that needs quarterback help now, and you can say, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to go compete for the starting job because I know I'm not going to be the starter here. I think it's still, you know, the backup is the most popular. I think it's still kind of a thing. Like if the backup, for instance, Brennan, Miles Brennan, right, when he transferred, he was a big, hot name. Everybody wanted him, but, he, you know, he's staying there. Um, you know, but if a backup was transferring from Alabama or Clemson or, you know, one of those top schools, everyone's going to love him. So I think it's still a thing, the backup. But I think in terms of a team being able to have quarterback depth, I think that's going to become one of the luxuries that only those year-in-year-out college football playoff teams are going to have. And when you look at USC, two five-stars, Oklahoma or Ohio State, excuse me, three five-stars, uh, Alabama feels like it's got a, a high four-star, a five-star quarterback every single year. Like Those are the schools that have the luxury of being able to stack these quarterbacks because the guy knows I'm at Alabama. I'm at Ohio State. If I become the starter here, I'm going to be a star. These these are the schools that their quarterbacks are Heisman candidates every single year. Those are the places that that are able to to have the luxury of a backup quarterback. But you look at somewhere, uh, even maybe like Nebraska here in a couple of years, if the results keep coming the same way they've been coming, who wants to be the backup quarterback at Nebraska? Whenever you're on a 4-8, a 3-9 and eight, a three and nine football team, the starter's losing games and the coaching staff doesn't believe in you enough to put you in there, why would you remain sitting on the bench there whenever you can transfer a la Luke McCaffrey and see if you can find a spot where you will stick and, and you will be the starter and you get to show the people what you're about? So I, mean, I think we're, we're pretty close to reaching the point where it's going to be, yeah, you've got your, your high four-star, your high five-star, whoever wins the starting job. The, the people that were competing with that guy will hit the transfer portal. They'll go find somewhere else where they can try to get some reps, try to get some play time. And the backups are going to become uh, the, uh, the the Matt Termans of the world. The, yeah. the, 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 the walk-ons who are just waiting for their chance, and they're going to come in and try to not wreck the, the Ferrari while they, they're at the reins. Well, in that case, I mean, it's been dead for years. It's been dead for four years then, if, if that's what you're looking at it. I mean, people have been transferring since they didn't get the job for, for four, like you said, four years. Um, yeah, if you put it that way, the back of a quarterback isn't really a thing. But like here in Nebraska, of course, I mean, Smothers and, uh, you know, Heinrich and Masker, you know, they've, they've stuck around so far. But if you see, I mean, say Heinrich Harburg finds himself fourth on the depth chart after spring football. So Nebraska brings in two, two transfers, and it's the two transfers plus uh, – Smothers that are competing for the the starting gig, and Heinrich Harburg sees himself as fourth. I don't see him sticking around until twenty twenty two if he sees himself as fourth on the depth chart. Yeah, I, I know. He, I know he's a Nebraska kid. I know he likes Nebraska. However, he had attention from a lot of places around the country. And whenever you're sitting fourth in the depth chart, I look at that and I go, "Why am I going to waste this season being fourth in the depth chart? Not only yeah. not I don't have a chance to get in the game, but I'm also not going to be getting the reps with the same quality of players that these top three yeah. guys are going to be getting. I'm not going to be getting the development I think I deserve as a four star quarterback, and I'm going to go hit." The road i'm gonna find somewhere else to have me without the portal it that would not be happening and that's why you know before the portal you had zach taylor and and cody green you know you know but not that's just the example i'm thinking of right now like before the portal you stuck around because there's a chance you could play you know mm-hmm. 
you, you needed to because if you know the guy in front of you got hurt, boom, you're up. Well, because um, b- before the portal, before the the rule changes, the the law was well, if you transfer, you're gonna have to go sit out anyway. Exactly. So it, I, it wouldn't I, be worth it. You, you have a better chance of playing sticking with the team than transferring, sitting out, and then yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's the the, the tides are just changing that way. But I'll stand by my point, which I've been I've been standing on this soapbox. I think since the season ended, which is the fact that I don't think transfer quarterback is the most important position Nebraska needs to bring in here or backup quarterback. If you will, having competition within the quarterback room isn't as important to me as some other positions. Namely, I I think of having a running game, running backs, offensive line, but then I also think about having guys that can go out and get open for the quarterback. And we finally saw Adrian Martinez, what he could do with some more targets out there at his disposal on the field. And, And while Adrian, the, the wins weren't there, uh, the, he passed the eye test a lot better. His completion percentage was up. His yards were up. His touchdowns were up. And it looked better. And that's why I will stay there until I am proven otherwise that maybe Nebraska will bring in some rock star quarterback who's going to impress us all in the spring and I'll, I'll eat crow. But <laughs> I think it's, it's Nebraska's ability to generate a run game and take pressure off that quarterback shoulders that's going to allow them to score more points next season it's going to allow them to get more wins next season whenever the entire brunt of the offense is not put on the quarterback shoulders sure yeah talk about quarterback real quick um go and go back to mitch's segment he said chuba yes he did he said chuba is that what you said i said chuba you said chuba i said chuba a color you also yeah or, but is that confirmed then is it chuba is he confirming it for us I don't know if Mitch has had any conversations with Chuba, but Chuba just seems like the right way to do it. Chuba sounds way too much like Bubba. It sounds like some... Yeah, but like Chuba's backwards. fun. Chuba's a fun name. That's a good name. Yeah, when Paul called us earlier, he, he was he was fully saying Chuba. Chuba's a fun way to say it, but I look at Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State. I, I think the way to pronounce C-H-U-B-B-A is Chuba. Maybe we should slow down because, you know, we've heard that he's a tough guy to, you know, get in contact with. So, you know, maybe he hasn't even said what his name is. <laughs> I know that. All right. You want me to look up the? I'll go look up his. No, on the no, no. I believe you. I believe you. I'm gonna. I'll say Chuba if you want me to. I'm gonna find. Uh, he's got to have a bio. On, there it is. Seminoles.com. It's loading. Does it have a pronunciation? It doesn't even have a pronunciation. Lazy. Lazy. Uh, well, that was a waste of my down time. Down in Florida State. Come oh. on. Got to get the pronunciations on those names. Mm. Mm. Wasting but, time. But if Chuba Purdy is the guy for Nebraska next season. I don't think he's going to be either way. Even if he commits to us, there's going to be a competition between him and Smothers. Smothers could beat out Purdy. But as, as I was saying, I think it's more important. P- like Purda? Pur- Purdy. Purdy. Thank you. Purdy. Just like uh, he's Brock's brother. He's Purdy. Yeah, yeah is that Purdy. what you're saying? Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it's more important who that quarterback is going to be throwing the ball to. There's no transfer portal additions. I, I think Nebraska is looking into what Mickey Joseph can develop these wide receivers and do. How do you feel, though, about the wide receivers that they have to throw the ball to next season? we got about a minute left here in this segment, but when you look at Omar Manning, you look at uh, Xavier Betts, who's going to have some tutelage from Mickey Joseph. you got Vokalek coming back. I know he wasn't a huge pass catcher, but he's probably going to fill that Austin role. Can. You'll have a, a, a fully healthy Fedoni. Uh, there, there are options coming back for this Nebraska pa- for the Nebraska yeah. pass catchers. So I just want to get, how do you feel? You, I, I feel good about it. I feel good. You got, but you also got the transfer Castaneda, 
Uh, there's going to be some more transfers as well with this team. We've seen the coaches. They like to grab wide receiver talent uh, out of the portal. I feel good about it. especially there, there, there hasn't been much smoke around the wide receiver position in the portal aside from the one. No, you're um, right. There's so not. That's, that's my like, – does the coaching staff feel – I mean, I feel all right about the wide I feel okay about it, especially it's, with the tight ends. I think you got a strong tight end uh, group. I think that's good. Now, I think Betts and Omar Manning can be the, the primary pass catchers for this team next year. And I, I think you'll be fine. Uh, the question is, is how will that offensive line hold up? That's the big question. And then will the quarterback that is behind center, will they deliver once they uh, they have some support? And I guess we'll find out. Tail Varsity Radio coming back after the break. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back into Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. You know, I love me some Kanye. I had to get a Kanye intro rolling here today, Will. As uh, Touch the Sky, one of the best. I believe this was my uh, my walk-up song in the, uh, was it, the, the celebrity softball game down at Haymarket Park this summer. Oh, yeah, was it? Yeah. Was it now? I, I I think I I remember that. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. One of the, the, the key lines in that song is, come up in the spot, spot looking like extra, extra fly, fly yeah. and that's me stepping up into the batter's box okay I it's, get it's it. all about the swag i get it no it's a good song it's a good song well we were talking a little bit yesterday uh about the uh the the lack of intrigue surrounding this year's uh national championship game between alabama and georgia which is obviously coming up next monday right and uh we complained a little bit about the fact that this is a a monday night time slot uh i'm not a huge fan of the fact that I got to go get up on Tuesday and stay up until 1130. But we have some numbers uh, that have come back in uh, SI uh, Sports Illustrated reported on this. And uh, this is also in collaboration with the Sports Business Journal, where they got the ratings back from these college football playoff semifinal games uh, that were on last Friday. And this was the lowest combined viewership of the college football playoff semifinals since the college football playoff has come into existence. Yikes. So uh, they combined to draw 32.6 million viewers to two games. That's 16.1 million for Alabama and Cincinnati and 16.5 million for Michigan and Georgia. Previously, the lowest combined uh, was in 2015, which was whenever uh, Alabama really kicked the crap out of Michigan State, which drew 18.6 million viewers, and Clemson defeating Oklahoma uh, back in 2015, which drew 15.7 million viewers. That was the previous low, but now a new low has been set. And my question to you, is this just is this SEC uh, just tired? Is everyone tired of the SEC? I phrased that poorly, sorry. But is everyone tired of the SEC? Is this the fact that the games were on New Year's Eve, and now, well, everyone can go out and celebrate their New Year's Eve this year, so let's not stay home and watch college football playoff. Is it everyone's ready for a 12-team playoff, so this is just a 14-team mm. playoff? We don't really care. Uh, 
I, I understand and I, I feel it too where the same the intrigue surrounding bowl season and surrounding the college football playoff isn't there like it was a couple of years ago but I, I wasn't expecting this to be the lowest viewed college football playoff ever it can't be it, it can't be because people didn't want to stay home and watch because the numbers were big at some point on New Year's Eve the game has always been played on New Year's Eve so that's not the issue um, you know, maybe it's been dropped. It, it dropped big because of COVID last year. You know, everybody was home. Uh, TVs were tuned in. So, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. But, I mean, the matchups, people had they, – they knew what was going on. They knew who was going to win. Why would you watch a game who you know is going to win? Unless you got money on the underdog or, or the favorite. I mean, of course, betting gets you into every game, but – Nobody wants to watch a game that they know is going to happen or that they know what's going to happen. So that's exactly what happened, man. It's it's getting bad. The committee is going to see this. And, and they're going to be – the pressure to expand is uh, – you know, it's it's bigger now than ever. I mean, look at look at last year. You had Alabama and Notre Dame. I think everyone knew that that Alabama team was high octane, and they were going to beat Notre Dame, and they still got eighteen point nine million viewers. Now that wasn't the Rose Bowl. That was the granddaddy of them all, quote unquote which it really takes away the luster of the game whenever the college football playoff is played there. But it's still got 18.9 million viewers. Ohio State and Clemson got over 19 million viewers, and that was a great game, so I understand that one. But I I just I don't understand, and I don't agree with how this college football playoff has been rolled out. First, that it's taken away New Year's Six Bowls every single year where you don't have those same classic bowl games. They aren't being played in the same way. I, I, I want to watch the Rose Bowl. I don't care to see the Rose Bowl be replaced by a college football playoff playoff game that happens in the Rose Bowl and you call them the Rose Bowl champion no I want to see the best available Big Ten team play the best available Pac-12 team like we saw this year well you could still do that you could still do that and have it in the playoff but they don't but you could do that you could do that Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be that big of an obstacle and like Clemson shouldn't be playing in the Rose Bowl like, why do you want to make, do you really want to make yeah. all Clemson's fans go all the way across the country right. to the Rose Bowl? I mean, so the, the Big Ten's keep... still there because of tradition. Sure. The Pac-12's there because of location. It makes sense. I don't like seeing Clemson and Ohio State there. I also don't like seeing all the college football playoff games be played on New Year's Eve. I'm with you. New Year's Day is the traditional college football day. That's the day when yeah. everyone wants to go on the TV and watch college football. Like, like, there, there I, were... I like having... Either, either have the semifinals on New Year's Day and have the college football playoff championship game later down the line or have the college football playoff semifinal games open the bowl season. Yeah, New Year's Eve is kind of an interesting um, time slot, although there's nothing really that big on TV until later, you know, the the New Year's Eve special. I mean, there's the dog show, I think, maybe a couple college basketball games. But, I mean, maybe that's why they do it is because it's, you know, one of the biggest things on TV that that day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm with you. New Year's Day would not be a bad idea. You can give us your take, 402-466-3776. But my my thought here, if you're not going to expand, if you're going to keep it at four, which we talked to Barry Alvarez a few weeks back, and he thinks the wins are are moving towards a 12-team playoff, which I think would be awesome, especially if you can get the higher seeds hosting a home game. That's a part of the college football playoff. I think that would be awesome. It would, it would lead to, to more fans. I'd, I'd be more willing to watch a game. Like, let me go see Georgia playing in the cold at Ohio State in early January. I would January. love that. I'm with you. I, I think 12, I, I could get down with. Eight even is fine. But if you're going to keep this four, I say you have the semifinal games open the bowl season. The beginning of bowl season sucks. I think we like we saw that this year. A whole bunch of games that nobody really cared to see. The fans uh, aren't there because it's a six and six team playing a seven and five team in some random location, Detroit. Unless you're gambling. somewhere random. Yeah, Unless you're gambling. gambling. But have the cultural playoff games open it. 
Because then everyone's like, oh, yeah, bowl season's on. Let's watch the college playoff games and then put the championship game on the night of January 1st. You could have some New Year's Six, some fun ones before that, leading in to the, the biggest game of the season, which is the college football playoff. On a Monday night in January, after all the rest of college football has ended and the NFL playoffs are getting underway, it, it just doesn't feel like it is the biggest game of the season whenever you put it on a Monday night, the game starting at 7.30, getting done at 11.30. Yeah. And I, I want to go to bed at the end yeah. of the third quarter because I'm tired and i got to get up in the morning. I, I still don't understand that. I still don't. Why are we having the championship on a Monday, Monday night? Put it on a Friday night. Like well, We've reached the point where... The college football, especially around this time of year, was more enjoyable under the BCS system. Yeah, I, I, I think the college you. football playoff creates some more intrigue during the regular season with four teams being able to get in, uh, where kind of creates some drama. Who's going to be that fourth seed? Whatnot? But it, it sucked from from bowl season. The past couple years of bowl season has sucked because it's taken away the intrigue. Yeah, there, there's there's nothing exciting going down and, in, mm-hmm. at the end of December and January because the players don't care if they're not in the college football playoff. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. I shouldn't say don't care. But it's not the same as playing in the college football playoff. Uh, and then the college football playoff games just feel like they're they're being catered toward the SEC going through. I mean, realistically, the number one team in the country going into this one should have been, well, Georgia lost in the SEC championship game, probably Michigan. Yeah. Michigan probably deserved to be one, and it probably should have been Georgia and Bama two and three and Cincinnati four, but they weren't going to do that because they weren't going to give Alabama and Cincinnati a rematch after they just played in the SEC championship game, and they were setting it up for those two to go play in the national championship game again. Yeah, but unfortunately, you know, you talk about them not caring in bowl games. You expand the playoff, people are not going to care even more because then that's, you know, that's an even more sample size of teams that we think are good who make the playoff. Oh, well, then you're not one of those eight teams. You're even feeling more crappy about yourself. You didn't make the top four this year. Imagine not making the top eight. I mean, it's just it's going to get worse if you expand. Well, it's a it's a it's just a, a time of change in college football right now. It feels like with NIL, transfer portal, cultural playoff expansion, just everything's changing. Uh, we'll wrap up a Tuesday edition of Hail Varsity Radio coming up after the break. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hail Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio Wrapping up a Tuesday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We are presented by the Nebraska Lottery. As uh, we heard from Mitch Sherman a little bit earlier, Steve Mark joined us back in hour one. And you can hear all of those interviews on ESPNLincoln.com. The full podcast will be posted a little bit later this evening on the Hale Varsity YouTube page, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts. You can find uh, Hale Varsity Radio on all of those uh, services, and that's where you can find us. And again, as I said, those interviews going to be posted shortly on our Twitter page, uh, which is uh, linking you to ESPN Lincoln. 
Com. Before we get out of here uh, tonight, got to remind you that game preparation and repetition predict success and winning. Drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember to always buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office. Also reminding our listeners, uh, Jeff Motes has a game tonight, I believe. Yeah, for our local listeners tonight, we'll have uh, Jeff Motes out at Lincoln Southeast, excuse me, out at Nordstar, where Lincoln Southeast uh, will be taking on the Navigators tonight. Jeff Motes on the call for that one. That will be on our sister station at 1240 KFOR. Again, that is for our local listeners okay. here in Lincoln. Uh, before we get out of here, the Antonio Brown saga continuing today as uh, Antonio Brown still technically listed as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has not officially been cut yet. Yeah, and I, I think it's because I, I read the, the Bucks are talking with the NFL to see what's the appropriate way uh, to continue with this. I believe he was at the Nets game courtside last night. Uh, yeah, it's not stopping. Do you think if, if he wants to play for an NFL team again, is he too much of a, a team cancer and a problem, or does he have the talent that's going to that's gonna overcome that? I mean, you know, it, people have gotten several chances before. You just have to show that, that you can change and stay with that. Uh, if he can, I think he will play again. I think there is there is a, a, a chance for him to play again. Um, it's funny, you know, there's a lot of memories being brought up about Antonio Brown. There was a video I, I saw and it's always just always fun to see this. This is back when he was with Pittsburgh. And if you've, you've seen this video before, is he was returning a punt, and I think it was against the Bengals. And he, I mean, the Antonio Brown just kicks a dude in the face. Like, yeah, yeah. he was he was like a star before this video. Everyone knew how good he was, but it's like vaults him to like superstar status. Yes, he's like he has one man to beat, and it's the punter. And instead of just running around him, he goes right into the guy's face, puts his cleat right in his n- noggin. Uh, the call is just incredible. Listen to this. They got pressure, and Lanning gets it off cleanly. Brown backpedals all the way to the 28-yard line. Good move upfield. Brown splits special teamers, and now Brown is off to the races. Hurdles kicks a man, and a flag is thrown. <laughs> They're going to get Brown for that uh, hurdle right to the face of Lanning. <laughs> Tremendous return, but a real mistake by Brown at the end of it. Makes the first guy miss here. It's, it's, it's just, it's incredible. And kicks a man is one of the most incredible calls I've ever heard in my life. Brown thought he had to do that. Makes a he cut and kicks a man. That's incredible. Like, like he, he had a lane to the outside. He had no reason to do that. And it's true because it's a punter, but it's Antonio Brown. This is... Like and kicks a man. And, and this That's is incredible. this is before all the 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 head injuries, quote unquote. All the oh, it's CTE. The dude's just crazy. He might be. The dude's no, just no, no. Sort I, of I think he may crazy. just be very self-centered. Who knows? Well, not going as far to say he's crazy. A little bit one and the same. We'll have Chris Schmidt back on the show tomorrow as long as uh, there's no uh, problems with his transportation back to Nebraska. So, Chris Schmidt back tomorrow. Big thanks to Will Wilson in here. It's Elijah Herbal. We'll talk to you tomorrow. A Huda Media Production.